You are listening to the Ebony Covering Black America Podcast Network, presented by Walmart. 30 years ago, a whole new genre of television was created. This is the true story. True story. Seven strangers. (laughs) MTV's Real World was arguably the shot that launched the reality TV revolution. Never before had there been a show quite like this. Reality TV has evolved a lot over the past three decades. But one key hallmark that hasn't changed in that time has been the introduction of drama. And in the 30-year homecoming special of the season two's Los Angeles cast that premiered on Paramount Plus just a few weeks ago, the drama is alive and well. One clip that has gone viral lately is an exchange between cast members Tammy Roman, a sister who was also on the show Basketball Wives, and Glenn Nasons. Apparently, they were all having a discussion about Black Lives Matter, yada, yada, yada. Nason says the N-word, but he doesn't say, quote, unquote, the N-word. He says the actual word. The context was that he was telling a story of how he and one of his black friends were walking down the street or after getting pizza or something like that. And I went to a pizza place, right? And they called him a And these group of racists called his black friend a nigger. Well, uh, he was telling the story. The story got bleeped. And, of course, they cut to images of everybody in the house with their eyes bulging out because they heard this word come out of this white man's mouth. Well, Tammy made sure that she gave him a piece of her mind. You don't understand what I'm saying to you, that the word should not come out so white-ass mouth. So after doing that, uh irene who was the retired police officer in the group she started to scold glenn for using that word no idea what it is to be a okay but she then used the actual word too and uh and based on how she was scolding glenn she understood why a white person shouldn't use it but i guess she didn't get the memo that she shouldn't use it either but Tammy wasn't having any of it, and she gave Irene a piece of her mind as well. well I, I, I can't. Do not ever say that. You don't say it either. So you and I can't. Apparently, there's still a lot of education needed about the use of this word by those who aren't black. And luckily, we're here to help shine a light on the subject. Now, if you recall, on the last episode of the show, we talked about the use of the N-word in film, using Quentin Tarantino's filmography as the case study. Quentin never ceases to have a copious amount of the N-word in his films. Fucking guys are acting like a bunch of fucking niggers, man. You working niggers, huh? Just like you two. Always say they're gonna kill each other. Nigger, nigger, niggers. Nigger, 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 nigger. I'm gonna make 1250 off of this nigger. Am I a nigger? I want a nigger hiding in a bowl of rice. Nigger. Storing dead niggers ain't my fucking business. Niggas, 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 niggas. Shit, Negro, that's all you had to say. The last episode ended with me asking JD and Yolanda this. Do you think it's okay for a white person to use like the friendly nigga? Today, we're going to get to their answers, as well as address the issue of why it seems like so many non-Black people want to say this word. But I have to be honest with you, as a Black man who's lived his entire adult life in a non-Black world, reconnecting with his Blackness, I can barely pull off saying that word myself without sounding like this guy. 
we needed a real DJ. This, this dude, well, he can't spin with a shit. But then he goes and he plays Flow Rider. No. <laughs> back to back. So I calmly pulled him aside and I was just like, really, nigga? <laughs> you actually said that? Yeah, I had to. No doubt, if you're black, you recognize that clip from season one, episode one of Donald Glover's hit FX show, Atlanta, in which some kind of radio DJ or executive who's white tells Donald Glover's character, Earn, about some dude playing Florida, and this dude drops the N-word when telling Earn. I can't tell you how much I relate to this scene in so many ways, not necessarily for the right reasons. In one way, I kind of feel like the white dude, even though I'm black, I rarely have ever used that term. And whenever I do attempt to use it like on this show, I feel like I'm perpetrating a fraud. Like I'm out of my skin or something. On the other hand, I kind of feel like Earn, that black dude that white people feel very comfortable around to do and say ish that they would never in a million years try with other, shall we say, harder black folk. As is so comically illustrated later in the episode when Ern tells the dude to retell the story in front of the rapper Paperboy, played by Brian Tyree Henry and Lakeith Stanfield's character Darius. Tell him that Flowrider story is so funny. You'll tell him. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I was at a station party and, uh, as he's telling the story, you can see the discomfort on his face. He knows he shouldn't be saying that shit. And when he gets to the part where he would say it, he punks out. I had to go up to the booth, calmly take him aside and look him right in the eyes and just said, really? Why? Because as one janitor in the episode said when Ern asked if that guy ever used the word in front of him. That guy ever say nigga around you? Yeah, right. I'd break my foot in his ass. Right. Needless to say, I'm not the kind of brother that's going to strike fear in some middle manager white boy who gets a little too comfortable with that word. It's also probably needless to say that I had to Google who Flow Rider was. First of all, I quickly learned that it's not Flow Rider, F L O W R I D E R. It's Flow Rider, F L O R I D A, kind of like Florida, but split in two words. I guess because that's where he's from or something like that. For my good listeners who are as ignorant as me about hip-hop artists, allow me to be the one to ask the questions you would be too embarrassed to ask yourself. It's my service to you as you join me on this journey. Speaking of Flo Rida, his new song, Wait, literally premiered 12 hours ago as of the writing of this script. I'm in my back, she's like a my style, sporting Louis and Jordan two threes. I took her back home to do some new things. She down the whole chase. I had a few drinks. I got. Uh, I gotta say, I'm kind of with Darius. I like Florida. I don't know, man. I, I like Florida. Yeah, I mean, moms need to enjoy rap too. It's funny. In many ways, me googling Florida. <laughs> Versus, versus Florida reminded me of another hilarious scene from black television. Uh, it's one of the episodes of the boondocks when Riley, <laughs> when Riley reports his white teacher for using the N word and the teacher tries to explain how he used the N word with the soft A as opposed to the hard R. I thought there was a difference between nigger and nigga. I, I thought I understood this whole thing, but I guess I don't. I need help. 
whenever I hear the rappers, they say, nigga, it's in all the music. Look, 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 rap songs that use the word nigga in a positive way. There's tons of them. Look, real nigga roll call. Oh my gosh, that clip cracks me up every time. I love it because it's a beautiful satire on how we as black people use that word. As someone who's barely quote unquote black, I can empathize with some of our non-black brothers and sisters looking in and getting confused about the word. Is it bad? Is it good? Can you say it if you're not black but have black friends and use the soft nigga version? Uh, for the record, that would be no. So just what is it about those white people who either want to say the word or don't understand why they can't say the word? Well, JD addressed that in part of our conversation when he referenced a CNN expose about literary scholar and ASU professor Neil Lester. They did this like expose on him and on CNN, a little short brief thing. And, and one of his comments was that people, you know, they asked, well, why can, why can black people use it, hmm. use the N word, but we can't? Right. And his whole thing was like, well, that question, you know, is sort of legitimate, but he, he feels like a lot of times that question's not coming out of confusion, like they're just baffled. It's more coming out of the fact that they don't like it. They it's don't like the fact it's that a, they can't. A, yeah, exactly. It's a situation they don't like. And so, you know, people who feel entitled, who feels mm. that, hey, I should be able to say things. And, and this, it, it, you know, it, it comes to this idea of entitlement. You know, mm. white folks in this country feel like they're entitled to everything. You know, and then here's this one thing where they don't dare cross the line and it pisses them off. Why can't I say this? How come I can't right. do this? We appropriate all your other shit. We appropriate <laughs> all your culture, your rap, your music, your clothes. You made the word cool and now I can't say it. How come? How come I can't say it? <laughs> Why am I not entitled to say this shit? That's what it is. It's not like they're confused. They're like what? You know, wait, you know, it's not, confusion isn't where that question's coming from. It's, it's just another right to white and doesn't, yeah. taken away from yeah, exactly you know when we get back from the break we're going to hear a few clips from another podcast that i produced crossing the 180 and hear what a few other filmmakers have to say about the use of this word by white people don't go away In my role as a podcaster on another show called Crossing the 180, where I interview filmmakers and have a more traditional one-on-one -on -one discussion about the evolution of their craft and career, and this discussion about the N-word, cultural appropriation, and the white man's burden of not being able or allowed to say this word has come up a few times. Here's an excerpt from an episode where I spoke with the writer, director, and producer, respectively, of a short film called The Hard R. The writer was a white Jewish man, Levi Gordon. The director was an Assyrian man, an old friend and fellow filmmaker colleague of mine, Adad Warda. And their producing partner was a black woman by the name of Madison Lee. First, you're going to hear from Madison, then Levi, then Adad, before it ends with Madison again. Here's that clip. I know that with some black people, it's okay for white people to use that term in front of them or with them. I'm not one of those black people. <laughs> oh, you, so you specifically know some black people who don't have any issue with a white person using that word? Oh, absolutely. But oh, I, I haven't met any. I haven't met <laughs> yeah, any. Young, young people. Yeah, you. I mean, young people, you see some oh, of these. Oh, I can battle, see a young person. Yeah. Yeah, you, you see the battle rapper videos. You see, you know, mm. all kinds of stuff on social media. I don't, you know, I don't know personally. It's not okay for my kids, but, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they tried it. 
you know, uh-huh. but it, it ended there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but but yeah, I think that there are definitely some young people who say, hey, you know, it's it's not like it was in the past. And you know, if I if I'm at a karaoke bar, and the, and this actually happened to me um, in North Hollywood, I was at a karaoke bar, and this guy gets up there and starts singing this one track, and just got the word all through it, and I was like, let me just get out now because. <laughs> He's singing it. The audience starts singing it, and you know we're some we're the only black table in there. And at that, at that point, it's time to go. And w- what does that do for you? Why does that affect you oh, if they're singing ooh. a song, if where it's part of the song? Oh my God! It was just so visceral for me because I was called that name when I was I think nine or ten years old. We we're on mm. our way to a skating rink, and I'm from Detroit. In Detroit, Eight Mile is that demarcation. If you sing, the oh movie. yeah. You know, we went across Eight Mile to go to uh, what was called Motor City Skating Rink. And on our way there, we had just moved into our brand new neighborhood and our dad was taking us out for an outing. And they, we got out of the car and we're, we were walking into the rink and a car went by and just screamed at us, you know, niggas go home. Wow. And I, I didn't know what that was. And my father, I'd never seen my father like that. And my mother just kind of grabbed my dad and said, you know, and he said, let's go. And she said, no, let's go in because if we don't go in then they've won. Hmm. And I just remember being so young and wondering what that was and why it was such a threshold moment for hmm. my parents. But that same feeling that I had when I was a kid, it's almost like bewilderment to a certain degree because it's hmm. like, God, do you get where, what this is and where this comes from? So that's how I felt in that bar. I felt like I was nine years old all over again. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Dodd, yeah. Levi, you guys have any, what's your take on um, the litmus test? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question because I think the film itself, uh, we purposely wanted to leave kind of broad. Obviously, there's no silver bullet for really solving or addressing the issue or saying this is how it should be, especially coming from me, you know, so... Um, <laughs> So we definitely wanted to just kind of open up the conversation because especially when the Black Lives Matter movement was uh, really taken off last summer, it really inspired me to realize um, a lot of what uh, the communication was and uh, like what can we as white people do besides posting a black square on Instagram, like what could <laughs> we do? Uh, you know, like just raising awareness about it and being uh, and just knowing that it exists was really important for a lot of my friends that posted all these things saying I wasn't even aware of all the privilege that I do have and what the differences mm-hmm. are. So I think just starting that conversation was step number one, which this film aims to do, maybe not answer the problem, but at least get the conversation started, because that is, I think, the first step towards getting anything done um, and just kind of raising and shining the light on the more nefarious stuff like the, like what Madison was saying, like the karaoke bars, the use of the N-word by white people, because uh, there's no way for us to ever understand the impact that that would have hearing that, especially out of a white mouth, you know? So um, when we are exposed to it, it's through the radio and music and uh, positive like things, quote unquote. So it's just it, like does not sink into certain people, I think, to the depth and gravity of it and to really be questioned on it. Because uh, I'm really glad, Ron, that you mentioned Soul, because that was a huge inspiration. Actually, when I was mm-hmm. reading Reddit, I saw like cultural consultants and yeah. um, I was like, this is a, a topic, obviously, that we need that Madison is doing a huge uh, part on and our whole team, just the openness between all of us is really helpful. And I had my friends growing up, some black friends read it, and we exchanged like stories. And uh, he would say, like, one of, I remember this one story that he told me about, like, 
uh, how just some of his white friends, as soon as the drinks were flown by the end of the night, they would want to, like, they'd put their arm around him and say, yo, you're my, and say it. Because they want that ultimate hood pass, essentially. And right. just like, I, and that was kind of a big inspiration too, and in, uh, just getting the story told. So uh, yeah, it's a great question that you have. Yeah. I also had a situation where I was reaching out to people for crowdfunding, and I actually got this message back from someone. Uh, hey Adad, I'm really proud of you that you're you know, kind of moving forward with your filmmaking endeavors, but unfortunately the subject matter doesn't really speak to me. I don't believe in the concept of white privilege, and I certainly don't support the Marxist-inspired BLM movement, but uh, good luck. And I was like, what did you just say? Wow. I was like, okay, I don't understand what you're thinking here, but thank you, take care. Damn. So. Um, we have a long way to go. Um, I I can't even begin to describe how I felt. I was just I just I don't know. I wanted to have a long discussion, but I realized it was it was helpless there. Um, I think that the one of the main issues is a lack of education. If you are gonna dress a certain way, act a certain way, um, present yourself in a certain way, but if someone asks you about history, the culture and suffering, you can't really answer, you don't really know, but you have no business doing that in the first place. So part of it is if someone's interviewed, they should at least be able to answer a little bit about what people have gone through. If it's just a stylistic flash flare bling and that's all it is, don't even try. Yeah. You know, you have no place doing that. Yeah. And white people should never use the N-word and white people have no business uh, on having an opinion on whether or not who can say it and how and whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's either one of two things. It's like that article, and, and I think you um, that's a great way to describe it, Adad. It's either a weapon of hate or it's a badge of belonging. And there's mm -hmm. no in-between. There's no mm -hmm. in-between. And those are not my words, but there's mm -hmm. no in-between. And, and it's all about intent. And so if it's in an art form, and that intent is as a weapon of hate, then, then that's what it is. That's where it came from. Yeah. And if it's within our community and, and if it's this badge of belonging, then that's what it is today. Yeah. But everything else in between is BS to me. One filmmaking duo that I had the pleasure to interview was Jess Devaney of Multitooled Films and Christine Stolakis. They were the producer and director, respectively, of the Blumhouse and Ryan Murphy executive produced Netflix documentary, Pray Away. We were the leaders of the ex-gay movement. We believed that something must have happened to make you gay. The film follows the lives of Christians who identify as LGBTQ+, and their trials and tribulation, no pun intended, they went through in the Christian community dealing with, and even for some of them, supporting conversion therapy. That's the belief that you can quote-unquote cure a person of their homosexuality, or in some cases, as the title suggests, pray it away. At one point of my conversation with them, I asked them this. I always try to play devil's advocate. Like I try to put myself in the other person's shoes. So I'm a, a white heterosexual male. And it feels like now I'm the bad guy all the time. Like I can't say the N word. I can't. You can make jokes about me, but I can't make jokes about you without being a racist. I can't make jokes about gay people. All these things that I, as a, white cisgender or heterosexual probably christian man who has a good heart can't do what's your answer to somebody like that 
you know, in terms of why is it okay for you to make fun of me, but not necessarily okay for me to do the same for you? I think for the most part, if I'm confronted with like a cis straight white guy who said something like that, my response is like, you're not my people and I'm going to turn around and walk away. Mm. Um, I'm not super invested in, in trying to like make them feel better or understand <laughs> why they need to take up less space now. Okay. Um, at different points in my life and activism that felt meaningful and now mm -hmm. I'm like, actually, no. Um, it's okay for you to have your feelings hurt for a little while, mm -hmm. um, and you'll you can do the work to adjust in your own therapy and wherever else. All right, can I push back on you a little bit on that? Sure. So I hear what you're saying, and I a lot of black people feel the same way. They're like, you know, go go Google if you need to know <laughs> something or whatnot, right? Um, but one can make the argument that. I hear what you're saying, but if someone like like generally wants to know, isn't there something about helping them maybe understand something that may be hard for them to understand because of everything else that's around them? Like you may be the only person who in their purview who has the ability to even bring them uh, so much closer to better understanding. And if your mindset is, well, you know, you're not my people, turn around, go wallowing your feelings for a little bit. Could that be, you know, hurting an opportunity to gain another ally or whatnot? I'm just, I'm posing that as a, like a devil's advocate type of. Two things, yeah. like the work I do, the company I run, the movies we make exist as these texts responding to all these kinds of questions. So mm. I feel like I'm doing that work without needing to do the interpersonal work. If right, you right. and I are in a conversation and you bring like a problematic comment or joke or analysis about like dykes or queer women, mm -hmm. you, we're in a relationship. We we have common ground. We've established that already. Right. I would want to be like, hey, that's here's how this lands for me, or here's why, you know, this doesn't make sense, or here's where I'm coming from. And I would hope that you would do the same mm. in in relation to me. Right. But the picture that you painted what felt more like like random white guy mm -hmm. who is just like I'm. Like, it's so much easier to get hired as a woman, a queer woman of color now than, than for me. And I'm just like, I don't have time for that. Because <laughs> you're not showing interest. You're making yeah. me make you feel better. And yeah. that's not my job. No, that makes sense. You have any thoughts on that, Christine? I'm having this memory. Jess and I were once on a train back from editing with our exceptional editor, editor Carla Gutierrez. Mm-hmm making this film, trying to, in a nuanced way, talk a lot about a lot of issues, which does include gender. Um, and this asshole came up to us and said, um, oh, what we our train was delayed. And he came up to us and was like, hey, do you guys want to have a sleepover? And that's sort of who I imagined. Like, you know, two Wait, girls. Wait, he was a stranger? Guy. Yeah, complete stranger. This is, you know, just a Tuesday. And this happened to us. And. I'm th I thought of that guy when you asked this question, <laughs> okay. and I'm not gonna give that guy anything but a fuck yeah, you. Right, we're right. at we're basically at work. You go away. I have no right. interest in bridge building in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it, it so I think that when you are a part of a group that 
experiences prejudice, oppression, and so on and so forth. You just have to make the call in terms of what's healthy and good for you in terms of when you want to engage. And mm -hmm. by making this film, I'm sure we also show that we're ready to engage in a number of issues. But, you know, if someone comes at you yelling or with bigotry to the point where you feel truly uncomfortable and annoyed, you know, we're not yeah. robots, we're humans. And I think it's okay yeah. to say, no, go away. When we get back from the break, we'll close up with my original conversation with Jade and Yolanda, and we pick up from where we left off at the end of last episode. Stay tuned. Welcome back, my niggas. Yeah, no, it's still, still not working for me. <laughs> anyway, that conversation with Jess and Christine reminds me of another part of my conversation with Jade and Yolanda. When you have any individual or group who has been benefiting from an unlevel playing field, whether they know it or not, when you level that playing field, it feels like persecution mm -hmm. and penalty yeah. and yep. unfair treatment because yep. my paradigm has now shifted in a way that I don't, I'm not operating and having the benefit of the things that I had before. Right. So it feels like attack right. and it feels like punishment and it feels like being put behind the eight ball. It's very simple. Right. It's not that difficult to understand. Right. Do you think it's unfair? But he's also saying no, no, it goes to Yolanda's point. It's like yeah. they, it's, it's not unfair. It's just that the level field is, it, the, the, the field most is being discriminated leveled. against. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cry me a river. <laughs> like, Let me bring what? out my little, hold on, this is my little tiny violin playing. It's like, please, guys. Well, it's interesting because I have noticed, like, on ads, like, I was, you know, like that. So, one of the ads that plays before I have the cheap version of Hulu that plays all the ads, and I was watching this one ad. And one, I noticed a lot of ads they have, uh, often we'll see uh, mixed race couples, interracial couples, yeah. right. Yeah. But this That's one particular big, yeah. ad, it was very clear. No, I don't think there was one white man in the ad. And it was a lot of different people. Oh, I know, right. it was from Match.com. It was a Match.com ad. And they show all these different couples. And they were like gay couples and all kinds of different couples. Um, right. In that entire ad, I didn't see one white guy. And it made me wonder, well, obviously, I think it was a conscious choice. I mean, it seems like, it, seems like it was a conscious yeah. choice. Yeah, of course. And so is it, just playing devil's advocate for the poor white people out there, if, if, <laughs> if, a, if, a, if a company or whatever is making a conscious choice to cut out because there are white men who are looking for dates. So it's not like sure. you can't throw one in. But if they make a conscious choice to have zero, what are your thoughts on that? Well, so let me ask you this. So there have been other I'm not saying I'm not saying I have a particular issue with it. I'm just, I thought yeah. it was curious. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I have a query. I have a query too. Okay. Um, so is this the only Match.com commercial that's ever been made? No. And I would bet you if we went back and looked at earlier Match.com uh, commercials, people. there might be, yeah, predominantly white. And there might be some almost, that are just exclusively white. white. So, I mean, yeah. so. Well, when I, I mean, was in the dating scene, I never used Match, so I don't know. <laughs> right. I'm just saying that that. You know, so I mean, again, cry me a river. It's like it's whatever. So you're saying it's okay. 
basically now it's okay because it's making up for lost time. In essence, in essence. Yeah, because I I don't think that I don't think that Match.com came out with a policy outlining that they're never going to use white actors ever again oh, in commercials. Sure. It's Probably just not. it was yeah. just this happened to be this way. So let's yeah, let yeah. let's roll with it. That's yeah. fine. I mean, I is actually... there a problem? Because if mm -mm. you go back and look at other stuff, yeah. that I'm sure there was been a multitudes of white folks in their commercials. Yeah. And it's, okay. No, I I I totally think it's cool. In fact, like I always make it. Uh, Maybe it's because of my job as a marketing manager. I'm always looking at ads and advertising stuff. Yeah. And particularly oh, yeah, when I'm out like in Target or someplace, I'm always looking at the ads. I'm seeing a lot right. more like ads with like uh, large figured models. Uh, definitely yep. a lot more diversity in the advertising scene. Even, Absolutely. Even Absolutely. diversity. Even diversity in this. I don't know if this come off wrong, but like models who aren't the traditional view of beauty and i don't just mean just from a racial perspective like they seem more uh like real people they, real people right they don't look like yes. quote-unquote models like i, I wasn't quite right. sure how to say it yeah. which i think is cool because you start seeing yourself reflected more in, in the change We've heard a variety of people on the show offering their thoughts on this topic. And as you might have guessed, the prevailing consensus is white people have no business saying it. But there was one sister I asked who had a more nuanced view. It's friend of the pod, Salima Karoma, the documentary filmmaker behind the CNN documentary Dreamland, The Burning of Black Wall Street. You last heard her on episode three, our Squid Game episode. I was interviewing Salima for crossing the 180 and i asked her about her thoughts on the n-word okay my, my big gripe about the n-word recently is mm -hmm. i remember <laughs> i remember when i was younger and like we'd read i don't know if it was like huckleberry finn or whatever these you know yeah. white books that had you know nigger in them right and like, we'd have to read out loud and like people would just say i think they would just say nigger i think yeah. or, you know and like as a kid i'm just like yeah okay cool you know read right that. And my gripe now is that I think that you're not allowed to read them out loud. This is my old, old conservative, yeah. for, you know, <laughs> right. person. Backing. And they're just like, you can't say that. You can't read. And I'm just like, for me, I'm just like, no, this is what y'all used to say. You face what y'all used to say and say it out loud so you guys know it. And this is what your history was. That's what I want. Don't sanitize it. So, so, wow. you know. That's how I feel about the history of, yeah, Mark Twain wrote that shit. Yeah, the people in his book used to talk like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's your history. And this is you having to face it. Mm -hmm. Right. So like I if we frame it that way and if like if we could all get on board with that, then I think but then you know yeah, so that's how I feel about that. Um How would you and, feel about close non black friends saying, Hey, what's up, my <laughs> nigga? <laughs> what do you feel about that? You know, that's evolved as well because back in the day it used to be okay mm. when you know back then when i didn't care because i didn't use that word you know right. i was a kid you know I yeah, yeah. Spit, you know latinos used to use it south asians right and, and i know i'm not i'm not i don't think i'm cool with it right mm -hmm. i'm also not at the same time i'm when people like <laughs> Okay, so did you see the Tammy, Tammy, is it Tammy Rivera or Tammy Roman clip that came out? Yes. 
We're opening our episode with that clip, actually. Yeah. She's like, you you can't say it either. You're Latino. (laughs) It was so funny because the person she was talking to was like, was like trying to stand up for it. Like trying, she was trying to school the white dude who sang it. And then she got schooled. (laughs) Um, I... It seems like from your response that in your gut telling you that you're not cool with it. That my gut is telling me I'm not cool with it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I also am in, um, having, I don't know if I have an issue with, I don't think about it too much, but the sort of nitpickiness of like, okay, can you say, okay, wait, where are you from? Where, where are you from? <laughs> you got a, you got a, black and how much? Okay, yeah, you cool, you cool, you cool. Right? Like, yes. I also know it's like that thing. <laughs> right. That's cool. So, yeah. I love having Salima on the show. You'll definitely be hearing more from her again. I think her answer is a great example of how black people are not a monolith. We all approach these topics and ideas with a wide variety of perspectives and points of view based on our individual experiences. At the end of our last episode, I posed this question to JD. Once and for all, what were his thoughts on whether white people should be able to say that word, even if they use it as the way Madison put it, a badge of belonging? White people just can't use the word. It's just not. No, but mm-hmm. like why? Like, let's say you're sitting across from one of your white colleagues who, you know, is, is generally a nice person and she's generally interested. In, hey, you're lying. I'm it's just too curious. loaded. It's too loaded. You cannot. It's not appropriate. It's just not. White people right. can't use that word. It's right. Not, not right now. <clears throat> not right now. I'll tell you this. I don't think ever. I mean, no, I, I'll say this. Yeah. I'll be willing to say this. Not right now, because if if we get to a point where uh, we're arguably and objectively all systemic racism is knocked out, then talk to me from that point, 400 <laughs> years beyond that, then talk to me about our 500 or six or whatever it is until we get to that no systemic racism then mm. just double that in terms of how long it took to get to no systemic racism and so 500 700 whatever number of years from now we can have that discussion and okay. then and then maybe maybe i'll be cool with it <laughs> it seems generally speaking that it's more of like a visceral emotional thing as opposed to which is understandable but like as opposed to like a an objective intellectual argument you can give as to why a white person can't use the n-word i don't know i mean, I mean like uh, your line can not give an I, I, I answer guess, she just said no i no. guess which, which is what a lot I of black people say suggesting that that white person could somehow embody the essence of the con of the context in which black people use it and it means something different and it just white people just can't embody that it doesn't they translate. can't get there Mark Hazlitt rolls up on you, your friend, who's a white dude, and he says, what's up, my nigga? Like, Yeah, he might catch side eye. But, I mean, I know Mark. I mean, he's one of the downest white folks I know. So it's like, totally. He, he so, can still catch. I, I'd be like, I, I don't think he would. No. I don't think he would. Yeah, I don't think no. he would. Yeah. But he could, we'd saying, be like, yo, pump the brakes on I'm just saying. Just, I'm imagining that scenario in my head. If he were to, if he felt comfortable enough to say it and was, like, meaning it in the way we say it. Right. And that doesn't work. Yeah. And I'm saying, no. but there's no part can't. of you that feels like you can actually explain why other than just no. 
Oh no, I could. I mean, there's a whole history about why, why not. <laughs> I'm I mean, asking you personally. I mean, forget the history. I'm talking about exactly. you. Well, what do you think? Let me ask you. What do you think? What do you think, Ron? I'm curious to think what your impression, or, or is is it okay? Flip it on yourself. What do you think? I don't think. How it would is, you define it? I would define it this way. I would say the reason why it is not okay for a, a, a white person in particular, it, it may be a different discussion for like other races, but you could apply it to that. But particularly for a white person is because when you look at the history of that word and how it has been used by white people, it's kind of like when a person is triggered by something you do that's totally innocent. It may be totally innocent that you do or say something, but a person may have an experience with that thing that you did that literally triggers them. And out of respect for that person, you don't do that thing, whatever it is, okay? And so, like maybe it's a type of TV show you don't watch when that person's around because they were brutalized or something, right? And so you have right. 400 plus years of that word being used to brutalize black people. And, is, and there have been science that shows like that kind of brutality is actually in our DNA. Yeah. And so yep. there is, for I think for a lot of black people, an inexplicable reaction to that word when it comes out the mouth of a person who No, I would argue it is explicable. It's explic not inexplicable, but explicable. No, no, it's no, like, no, 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 no. No, when I say inexplicable, I no, mean No, no, we get it. We get yeah, it. it's hard it's, it's hard for them to explain. Yeah, yeah. It's like right. when they see yeah. it come out the mouth of a person who looks like the people who for so many years that we've all seen on TV and movies right, use right. that word so brutally. And so I think yeah. that's why for white people, for me personally, I don't think it's cool for them to use that word. Mm -hmm. And like you addressed earlier, like, why do you have to use the word? Like there are other ways you could address your f black friends that right. show see, affinity where you're not using a word that right. is so loaded. And that question comes up a lot because here's the other argument. Someone might push back and say, well, my, my ancestors didn't come over here until the 1900s and we didn't own slaves. You know, but my ancestors came from Europe or whatever. Well, then it just shows that they're ignorant of the situation, mm -hmm. you know? And so whether their, their, whether their lineage was directly responsible for slavery right. and racism, whatever, Doesn't they're matter. definitely benefiting from it now in America. Oh yeah. And, sure. and, and, and for them not to understand the lineage uh, of that word, where it comes from, or origins of that word, it just you know highlights their ignorance, and so they're still going to catch side eye. Yeah, and cool. you know, and and I think what you just said was very eloquent and well put. Thank you. So my niggas, what have we learned? First, I still can't pull off saying niggas. Second, if you're not black, outside of some kind of acting portrayal, don't use the word. And don't ask your black friends why you can't say it. If you wanted to say it so badly, ask yourself why that's the case. I think this discussion of the N-word has been a good one to start off the new year. In many ways, this show, which is a journey of my life as a black man reconnecting with the black community, is just getting started. Even though we're technically on episode seven now, just like the N-word has a complicated relationship with the black community, so do I. The N-word is a word that is both funny and fraught with drama. It's both insulting and a term of endearment. It takes on a different persona around different kinds of people. Black people relate to it in a much different way than non-black people. And just like there is more to the N-word that meets the eye, I think you will learn the same about me. As Luke Skywalker said to Darth Vader in Empire Strikes Back, you'll find that I'm full of surprises. I hope you'll continue along with us on this journey to find out.
The Dungeons and Durex podcast is a production of Blade Runner Media and Bonnie and Clyde Productions and is part of the Ebony Covering Black America podcast network. This episode was written, produced, and edited by Ron Dawson. That's me. Special thanks to my black BFFs and podcast peeps, JD and Alana Cochran. No relation to Johnny. JD creates and edits our social media audiograms. Music used in the show is licensed from Artlist as well as Creative Commons songs from freemusicarchive.org. The clip from Atlanta is copyright FX. The clip from the Boondocks is copyright Cartoon Network and Sony Pictures Television. The clips from the real world are copyright MTV and Paramount Studios. Please visit our website to see our statement on fair use. If you like the show, do all the podcasty things. You know, rate, review, share with your friends and family, and be sure you subscribe. That's huge. And let us know what you think of the show. Shoot us an email at podcast at dungeonsanddurags.com. You can even send us a voicemail message on our website at dungeonsanddurags.com slash podcast. Leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts with your thoughts and your stories, and we just may read it on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Ron Dawson or on Instagram at Blurred Runner. I write about race, religion, creative arts, and business on Medium at rondawson.medium.com. You can follow JD on Twitter at thatjdcochran, and Yolanda is rat in a wheel with all the words separated by underscores. That's it for now. Stay safe out there, and remember, having white privilege is not bad, denying it is. And in the absence of biblical certainty, choose love. And don't say nigga if you're not black. Until next time, see you in two weeks.